Welcome, everybody. Today, we have two special guests who were part of the collaboration of the Yarn Tarot, which is a deck for anyone who is a fiber enthusiast and who loves tarot. Duh. We have Katie Ponder and Jacob Seifert. Katie is the illustrator of the deck, while Jacob was the editor at Sixth and Spring Books. Light from Lantern presents. Knit a spell. I'm magical maker, Katie Rempe. And I'm the maker of magic, James Devine. Join us as we stitch together the symbiotic relationship between crafting and the craft. Katie's style is both fresh and contemporary with references to Art Deco and a touch of Gothic inspiration. Jacob, along with working at Six and Spring Books, is a knitter, book and horror enthusiast, and game designer at Sledgehog Games. Welcome, everyone, to Knit a Spell! Yay! Yay! <laughs> we are so excited to have you on because, obviously, this is one of the first decks in the yarn and knitting, crochet, weaving theme. Before we jump into that, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit of background about you, how you found yourself uh, at Sixth and Spring, and your journey in general, your magical journey. I don't know if I would say I'm magical, but um, why not? Sure. Um, if you rub my bald head, maybe there'll be some magic that comes out. So I'm originally from the Midwest. I grew up in a very conservative family, but for some reason, I really enjoyed anything scary. So... I grew up, my favorite show was Buffy the Vampire Slayer, really loved horror movies. I grew up reading, uh, one of the earliest books I remember reading was Goosebumps, and then graduated to Fear Street, and then like mm. Dean Coons, and, and all of that. So um, there's always been an interest of, you know, like the magical and the dark and stuff like that. Um, growing up a conservative religious household, you know, I was aware of what tarot decks were but they were of the devil. You do not touch them. You know, like um, mm. they were just awful, but I was always really intrigued by them whenever I saw them in media. And that was kind of my knowledge of tarot growing up. I guess also I've always just really been drawn to cards in general, um, I, like just playing cards or card games. I think that stems back to um, my grandfather. He was a big poker player, you know, like all of his grandpa friends, they would play poker and in their house, we, we would visit them a lot. And they had a lot of just decks of cards. So we would play various card games or make houses of cards. That's also part of that fascination of, of cards and never knowing what's going to come up. And um, I, those probably converged along the line somewhere. I started knitting when I was 18, being in the Midwest and not having a lot to do. I thought it would be funny if I learned how to do what I called the grandma and the grandpa hobby. So I was like, I'm going to learn how to knit and I'm going to learn how to whittle. So, <laughs> and I'd always been like creative, you know, uh, I liked doing arts and crafts and stuff like that. So it wasn't too strange for me to do. So I picked up knitting. It was fun. I enjoyed it a lot and like quickly was making my own, you know, combining stitches to make my own scarf. I made a lot of scarves, I made a lot of scarves. Whittling didn't really stick around because... I kept cutting myself. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, I uh, chose a very hard wood uh, from just our garage. And that's not what you should be whittling with. So I had a very bad experience with that. But knitting was much less dangerous and bloody. So I kind of just stuck with that. And then I've always been a reader. And then uh, the goal 
was to be a writer for the longest time. But then undergrad, I discovered, you know, writing workshops and I really enjoyed editing people's work. And then that led to me looking into a career and, and further education in publishing. I originally wanted to work in fiction, but then I came across this listing uh, for Six and Spring Books where it was, we're looking for someone to work on knitting books. And I was like, huh, well, that's interesting. And then I applied. It must have been in the stars because I'd actually, I was applying for positions. I put in my resume that I was a knitter to make myself stand out. And then I found a knitting publisher. So, you know, it's kind of, I've been there for seven years now. Gosh, when it's meant Amazing. to be, it's meant to be. So Katie, what brought you into the publishing world? What was your background up until the point where you decided to do this amazing yarn tarot deck? Good question. Um, so I grew up in London and um, I think from, from the get-go when I was born, on the day I was born, I decided art was the world I needed to be in. There was, there, there was no alternative. I just wanted to do art and uh, I was always in trouble at school for drawing instead of doing my lessons. My All my textbooks were full of mermaids and fairies. And um, as soon as I finished school, I went to art school um, down in Falmouth, which is right down in the south of England in Cornwall, which is a very, like Cornwall is full of lots of uh, fairy tales and folklore and it's all a bit sort of magical. So I spent three years there studying illustration. Once I graduated from Falmouth, I sort of thought, well, you know, a career in art, who knows if I'll make it, I'll have a backup, Chris. So I started teaching yoga, I trained as a yoga teacher and was working full-time as a yoga teacher and doing a little bit of illustration here and there and sort of seeing, oh, where can things go as an illustrator, but also not putting too much pressure on myself. And I eventually became friends with a really lovely illustration agency based in London called The Artworks and started working with them a little bit. And eventually they signed me on as one of their artists, um, which was, I think it was one of the sort of miracle moments of my life. It's like, whoa, this this is it. I actually get to be an illustrator. And, um, the Artworks has a sister agency based in New York called Mandola. So through the Artworks and Mandola, I've been getting pretty much consistent work ever since as an illustrator. And it was Mandola that, introduced me to the project with Jacob working on on the tarot cards and um, being that I've always loved all things magical as soon as Mandola emailed me I was like oh would you like to work on a deck of tarot cards I thought yes 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 please I, I would like that very much <laughs> oh that's so exciting so they reached out to you how did the project start initially yeah, where did the idea of yarn and tarot come together? Originally, someone uh, approached us with, with the idea. Um, they reached out via Instagram and they said, hey, I would really like to do a knitting tarot deck. Would you be interested in that? I took that to my boss. Uh, this was a handful of years ago. Um, and at that time, I was told no. So I was very disappointed. Flash forward a few years later. Um, so Six and Spring Books is distributed by... Sterling, well, what was known as Sterling Publishing, they're now called Union Square. They actually have been publishing a lot of tarot decks and have really great success. They published uh, the Modern Witch Tarot. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one. A very yeah. successful deck that I love so much. They have been doing just a whole series of tarot decks. So that that became, yeah, at the, at the forefront of our mind. And I was like, well, what if we do this tarot deck now? 
So we reached back out to the original person who contacted us and we tried to get something going with the project, but she wanted to do a knitting tarot deck. You know, the terms of the contract weren't what we could offer what she wanted. So we parted ways, but we still wanted to do a, a tarot deck. So we went the route of doing the yarn tarot deck, not doing a knitting tarot deck like she had originally suggested, but trying to be much more inclusive of the yarn crafts. A lot of people will knit and crochet or they'll crochet and spin or people will knit and weave, you know, or any sort of mixture of that. But the thing that unifies all of those is the love for yarn and like the obsession for yarn. So that's the direction we decided to go. So Katie, do you do any fiber crafting? Well, um, I did. My granny taught me to knit when I was young. And there was a phase when I was about 11 where everybody I knew and loved got a lot of really lumpy scarves. But I, I don't think it was really my medium. I had to sort of put it aside. Once everybody had had several rounds of scarves, I think it was sort of time to put the knitting needles down for me. But I do a lot of patchwork quilting, which is my little craft project I do and I find it such a soothing thing to do just to quietly sit and stitch in the evenings after you know being sort of in my head all day daydreaming about I don't know children's books I'm doing to sit and just have some peace and quiet sewing it it does a lot for me for on a mental health level I find are you hand stitching? Yeah, yeah, oh. hand, hand sewing, yeah. Oh man, um, that is an art in itself. It's quite slow and pay. I've been working on a quilt for a friend for about four years now. Um, one day it will be finished. <laughs> oh man, well, and your art style is perfect for patchwork quilt and that sort of thing. I mean, as soon as I saw this, I was like, oh, that's a quilt. Like I thought, for sure. I've seen you oh, before. Really? I used to go to a lot of needle art conventions and things. And so there would always be quilters. I was astounded by the artwork, like the oh. elaborate designs that folks can make in fabric. And now to see them in cards, it's it's really exciting. What was it like working together, you two? Whose idea was it to come up with certain directions in the art? Kitty doesn't know this part. So right now, as it wound up, Yarn Tarot, uh, we try to stick very closely to the Rider-Waite-Smith illustrations to just mm. update those and put as much yarn and things in there as we could. My original thought was to translate it into like the modern world of yarn crafters. That was my original concept. It got shot down in an editorial meeting that was pretty tense, but it was decided to go the route of something that people are more familiar with. In the end, I think it went better editorially to go that direction, but uh, there was an the art director who oversaw it on our side, who was essentially the art lead and went between Katie and I. She wanted to make sure that we gave Katie as much freedom as, as she could so we didn't stifle her art style. So that that was my understanding. And Katie kept coming up with a lot of these beautiful illustrations and like directions that like we necessarily wouldn't have gone. To sum it all up, it was it was a dream working with Katie. She was a wonderful person. If anyone needs an illustrator, you should hire her because she's just a great person to work with. Oh, thank you so much, Jacob. That's so nice. <laughs> I think working on projects like this, you kind of, for me, you kind of have to, be a little bit detached because it's not just my work it's it's Jacob's ideas it's I, Irene's ideas it's the pub it's the publishing houses you know the what they need and you kind of it's a huge collaboration of lots of different people and you kind of just have to go with the flow and go okay what's your idea well this is my idea okay you didn't like that one this one might work and you go with the flow and eventually it comes together and it's it might not be what you had 
visualized in your mind, but it's so much more because it's it's several other people's creation and it it, ha- it has its own sort of life beyond just your ideas. It, it's a collaboration and um, yeah, it was also very nice working with you too, Jacob. I was, I and I, for me, like I love tarot cards so much and I'm so like, I've always looked at the Rider Waite cards as a source of inspiration for my artwork because they're, they're so iconic. They're so beautifully done. And to have the opportunity to sit and actually really look at these cards and be immersed in that inspiration and to just explore these ideas it was it was a really it was quite a dreamy project really we had this sort of the interesting dynamic of it being a transatlantic project I was in Berlin Jacob's in America and it's amazing you know people from all over the world collaborating I, I really that to me feels quite magical especially it was it was during all the lockdown times and then to be oh having a chat with America and making this project, uh, you know, that's going to, it's published internationally. It's, it's a really, it's a wonderful feeling that even if you're sort of trapped in your little flash that you, you can work on the, these things. I do think my work is me, even when I'm doing ideas that are not mine, like I like to think the work is still me. So I'm a big fan of Joni Mitchell and she has sung such a broad variety of genres. Like she goes from jazz to folk and Sometimes, she, you know, as, as an old woman, she's got this old, husky, really amazing voice. And as a young woman, she's got this young, smooth voice. But she's always Joni Mitchell. And you can always tell it's a Joni Mitchell song. And I like to think, OK, I'm definitely not like Joni Mitchell. But I like to think, even if the idea is like, oh, this is a different angle for my work. I like to think it's still me under, you know, it's still me, even if it's it's just a different genre, a different angle. What Irene really wanted to emphasize, too, is that, you know, we were a lot of different illustrators for this project before we approached anyone and we really liked Katie's style and that was why we approached her because we wanted Katie as the as the illustrator we wanted her uh, creativity and her her design influence so we gave her a, a lot of freedom and we were very very happy with what came out and so Katie you were familiar with tarot before working on the project is that correct oh, oh yes and yeah. did you find it daunting to have to uh, do 78 cards in your own style or was it more of an exciting kind of feeling? A bit of both. The excitement and, and nerves, like wanting to make sure I did a good job and there were definitely some cards which I was super excited to do and some cards which I was like, I don't know how, I don't know how to do this one. This one, I'll save that one till the end. And so Jacob, how long did the project take from like the initial idea to actually being published in the world for everyone to enjoy. This published in like last fall. I think when we first really got it started in earnest, like getting Katie involved is probably a year and a half before it was published. When we come back from our break, we are going to take a little tour of the cards in the deck, ask Katie and Jacob about their favorite cards and show you some of the cool cards in the deck. Stay tuned. Exciting news, listeners. Knit a Spell is coming to Patreon this summer! Our fan club will help you gain access to advance notice to our monthly topics and guests, episode outtakes, voter power for future guests and episode topics, private community to connect with other fans. That's my favorite. 
exclusive giveaways and promotions, and coming soon, we will be adding a special segment to Knit a Spell, which will be a Q&A segment with your questions. Patreon members will be exclusively answered for their questions, so we hope you'll join us. Join us. And you'll be doing this all while supporting one of your favorite podcasts. Wrapped up in our gratitude. To learn more, sign up for our newsletter at knitaspell.com. Have you ever wanted to be a professional palm reader or add palm reading to your existing practice? Coming this summer, I will be taking applications for my six-month online group apprenticeship program, the Divine Hand Mastership Program. I will have a limited number of individuals that will have the opportunity to study the divine hand method of palmistry with me. You can sign up to learn more about this exclusive opportunity at thedivinehand.com forward slash mastership. And we're back. I'm curious about the aspect of the symbolism on the cards to show this to the watchers. But I think what's really interesting about a card deck that's themed like this, the yarn tarot. What did you use for the suits? This is Jacob's genius, not mine. He he was the brains behind the decisions. I just made things pretty. I guess when, when we approached the deck, we knew instead of just using one craft, we wanted to use multiple crafts. So uh, to just to be as inclusive of the yarn arts as we could be, the natural thing is like, well, just make each suit a different craft. So that's where we started from. And I, I know that some there are some other tarot decks that don't stick to the classic suits. They'll have whatever they want. We wanted to stay a little bit more classic. So we did not update the name of the suits. We just updated the symbols. So when it came to swords, you know, you stick them with the pointy end, as they say in Game of Thrones. So why not a knitting needle? So the the crochet hook uh, became wands. I actually really love the designer two of wands, and she's a crochet designer. So instantly in my mind, I'm like, I love her. Let's use crochet hooks for wands. This is my little fanboy moment. And then <laughs> as far as uh, the so, cup, so I'm going to interrupt you. So to be clear, there's a designer out there who calls themselves the two of wands and is a crocheter. Yes. The inspiration behind this. That's awesome. I think she has, she has no idea. She might not even know this deck exists and she, I'm sure she has no idea that that kind Uh, of inspired by her. So then the, the next suit I'll talk about is the cups spindles kind of have a cup shape. And then also it's, it's related to water and holding things. So, you know, like spinning yarn is, Oh, you know, almost fluid like. So that seemed to make sense. And then the last one for pentacles, we just use a little square loom that people use to hand weave. Um, and that seemed like the the easiest way to still maintain the pentacle symbol while still in the craft. Oh, I'm just curious if you had maybe one or two that came out particularly well that you were like, oh, this this is one of my favorite. I mean, I'm not to like pick out of your babies. I'm sure they're all no. your favorites, of course, but. <laughs> my favorites were, okay, I don't know what it says about me, but but my favorite was actually the devil um, to design. I really enjoyed doing that one. Um, I really liked the film. Uh, I think it's called Legend, 1980s film with yes. Tom Cruise and Tim I, Curry. I, I, Yes, exactly. And um, I channeled that vibe for this one. But um, in particular for the for the for the for the rest of the decks, oh I think I really liked doing Three of Swords. That was the one. This one with the the heart. Like that's such an iconic 
Yes. Um, one from the Rider Weight deck. So I liked doing my little interpretation of, of that. I don't know. It's such, such a graphic, simple, simple one to do. But some of them were, it was quite challenging sometimes to convey the message. I, I don't know how you feel about Jacob, but for, for some of them, um, to, to be restricted to, 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 to the craft of, of knitting and crocheting and communicate the messages that they need to. Sometimes it was a little bit challenging, but but ones like the Three of Swords, that was I like that one. That was mm-hmm. my favorite. Jacob, oh, yeah. did you have a favorite card or cards out of the deck? I have so many favorites. So one of my favorites is the Hermit. Huh. What? Oh, it's my favorite too. <laughs> I love the hermit. It just turned out that, you know, instead of, you know, a staff with a lantern, there's this shining ball of yarn that gives the, you know, his own secret knowledge and like what he's learned and his guidance. I'm also a bit of a hermit myself, so I can relate to that wanting to be alone with a bunch of yarn. So that was one of my favorites. And I just loved the color palette. I loved the bright yellow that Katie had. It turned out beautifully. Another one of my favorites, so number two, is the Eight of Swords. I just loved how that one needle is just bound up a little bit, you know, but it's it's at the beginning of a project, but it looks bound, it looks like it's confined. I don't know. So there's a lot of interesting ways to think about, about that. And one of my favorites that I always think about a lot um, is the Five of Wands, of how even when we are in conflict with other people, we are still connected. And that yarn is literally connecting you. And um, if you have a problem with someone, if you're, if you have beef, that's a dinner you're having with that person. You know, it's like, you can't have a problem with others by yourself, even though you're at odds, you are connected still with that person. So I just thought that was a beautiful way to illustrate it. I want to say something about the three of swords, which is, and referencing an earlier conversation, this would make an amazing quilt. Yes, indeed. Uh, like how would. how fantastic would that be to quilt? I, I mean, I would not be hand stitching it, but you know, <laughs> you do you, Katie. <laughs> Just take me the next 10 years. But yeah, I love how with quilts, they're often full of symbols. You know, the stars, the star shapes have meaning or the pineapple shapes have meaning. And you, you, could, you could take all the symbols from tarot and use that in a quilt. And that, that would be lovely. Yeah, I think because my work I use a lot of quite like graphic uh, geometric shapes and I think that comes from looking at quilts a lot like I get a lot of inspiration from quilts and and all the contrasting colors and quilts as well well, some of the quilts like I I think that I think I like to think that that's sort of one of the big inspirations behind my work so I'm really happy that Katie that you picked up on that then that's exactly what I want (laughs) oh well then you did your job perfectly. There you go. But just for a bit of balance, I'll also say the star is also my favorite because I, I don't want to just be the devil, the devil, the star. Um, that was a really lovely card to work on. And I, to repeat, Jacob, I really loved working on the Hermit one. And I think for me, um, I've done quite a few books for children on mythology and yarn or string is 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 a symbol used throughout mythology and so in greek ancient greek mythology you've got the three fates who um they they stretch out the string to determine how long your life is and for me that's kind of what the hermit card looked like it looked something looked like something to do with that i, I, don't know, I just felt like a very natural translation using the yarn instead of i think in in the rider weight it's a lantern isn't it so mm-hmm. yeah it just it felt like a really natural translation but oh yeah actually it could be yarn rather than a lantern it and i thought 
that was very I, I found that quite effective I liked also doing the lovers um I think that's got quite a lot I think the lovers and the devil card they both got a lot going on in them and I think they're sort of like parallels to each other those cards and I I I liked working on those two a lot. I want to know, like, when you look at the lover's card and the devil, what speaks to you in retrospect? So I think for the lovers, I love that there's so much going on in in that. It's sort of a scene. Um, I love that there's the the burning tree behind the man and there's the sort of Adam and Eve element with the snake behind the woman. I really enjoyed illustrating that and sort of doing my own sort of graphic my style look of that and I think it I think it worked quite well and I think the same with the devil I just really I I I, I just really enjoyed doing his beard and his horns like it was really it was really fun (laughs) there aren't many opportunities in my work where I get to do a picture of the devil so I really (laughs) relished that Another card I want to ask about is my other favorite card outside of the hermit, death. There we go. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, people are always scared to get this card. I love it. Out with the old and in with the Mm -hmm. new. And I like how the rider on this one is not wearing, like, armor. It's just fabric and that the flag is knit. Be nice to think that when when death comes, he's got a nice snuggly blanket ready for us and isn't too scary looking. I would be more accepting of my mortality if I thought he had a nice quilted or crocheted blanket to wrap me up in to take me to whatever is next, the cloudy place. Yes, I agree. Plus, they seem into it. They're like, yes. All right. Here. It's like they're here for the parade. (laughs) It's exciting. It's nice. They showed up for it. They're not afraid. I like it. One of my favorite uh, elements of that card is like the yarn ball that's rolling away and like leaving a string. I don't know. One thing that, that I thought was really interesting working on really digging deeper into like the meanings and whatnot work of, of the cards. Like you said, people see the death card and they think automatically like all this dramatic, crazy stuff, you know, like a normal person might think. But there's a lot more positivity in a tarot deck, even in the quote unquote bad cards than a lot of people realize initially. I think that's always nice to like, kind of just level yourself, step back and just think about things in a different way. I think every single card is neutral personally, that every single card has equal amounts of what a human might think of as positive or negative. And what we tend to do is label cards in a certain bent but it's really worth looking at too much sun is a bad thing. Just like too much death in the wrong place at the wrong time can be misaligning to our will, but you're not going to eat any food of any kind, be you vegan or an omnivore. If there isn't death, the carrot cannot survive you eating it. (laughs) So if we don't have death, there's not going to be life. And that's just the way life, you know, the way it works. And all the cards have a neutral and holographic symbolism to them. And when we can start to see that way in which the cards in the right place and in the right way and in the right amount work within and can be used to help us find our direction, I think that's when the tarot can be extraordinarily powerful. Um, But when we have our ego or our judgment in the way of the message, then it can be a tool that can be weaponized very easily. 
for me, when I read tarot cards myself, it's it's such a, I mean, you can look up what their official meanings mean, but actually sitting and looking at the pictures, like, oh, what are my associations with those symbols? What does this, you know, what does this mean for me? And you, it, and I feel like tarot cards are such a good way to have a conversation with yourself and just get a bit of, just time to reflect on what you're, what, what's going on in your head and get a, get a little bit of context and perspective on things. Um and see, so, yeah, I always try and when I'm reading for myself, look at, you know, the, the books and the guides to sort of get a more official insight into what the cards are saying, but also f- listen to, you know, read the cards to myself or what, what, what do these symbols mean for, for me? That's a great message. And again, this book is very helpful, it has tons of nice layouts and lots of information on it. But like you said, the best gleaning of divinatory practices are just going to be what comes to mind for you naturally. So that's a, a great way to just trust your intuition, trust yourself, whether it's for, you know, divining purposes or just like, should I start this new project today or no? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> maybe not today. It's death. Or maybe I should finish something before I start something new. They can be very practical too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I think I have to be careful for myself when I'm doing my own readings. Like, no, no, no. It's saying, it's saying, do the thing. It's saying, do the thing, even though they're clearly saying, don't do the thing. Like, no, <laughs> don't do the thing. And then the next time I read the cards, it's like, see, we told you, you shouldn't do the thing. I'm like, oh, <laughs> damn you, you all-knowing cards. <laughs> yes, they will always come back to tell you, even if you're not willing to hear it the first time. Yes, I for sure, that for too. sure. <laughs> that same card keeps coming up until it's like you're reading it the way it wants to be read. Mm-hmm. Or it will bring up another card that's like, oh, okay, well, you don't want this one? How about this one that says the same message now that you've tried to turn it around? How about that? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. So sassy. And there, there have been times where I've tried to do, well, not tried, but I've gone to do a, a reading for myself and I've like dreaded what the card, what, what I was going to find out. I'm like, oh no, it's going to tell me this. But then it told me, it, it told me something else. And I was like, okay, that's not so bad. And it, like, I wasn't trying to convince myself in anything. Cause I was convinced I was going to get a certain direction. And then I wanted a much more pleasant direction. And I was like, okay, thank you. Maybe you, Katie and Jane uh, can speak to this. I've noticed that there's different approaches to people's um, interactions with tarot. Some people have a lot more spiritual connection, rely on energies, mystical type aspects to it while others use it just for straight up reflection to think about things in a new way do you think that there is a right or a wrong way to use tarot or i don't know how how would you speak to both those because i I, you know i know a little bit about your podcast and like how you definitely go more towards the magical as opposed to the psychological right I think we kind of come at it from both angles, especially Jim. He's got a lot of uh, background in with sociology. For me personally, and then Jim, I'll let you, you know, give your reflection on this too, because I'm sure it'll be different. I think you can use them for anything. I think also you can use, much like we were talking about earlier, um, with your love of decks in general, you can use any card to do any sort of divination. I think the real key is just knowing what you're asking. If you know what you're asking, then whatever you choose to divine will help prompt that answer within you. Whether it's, should I cast on this new project now or not? Or, you know, should I take this huge life changing opportunity mundane to super like, should I take up a new deity? You know, does this deity want to work with me? And then flipping a card for that perhaps to get the answer. I think it, it could be anything. What about you, Jim? 
such a fun question. Much like Katie said, it's a little bit of both, but it's that's a kind of a to not have that be a cop out. I think that one comes before the other for me personally. I think that it's really important in what I've observed in people and how I teach this to people is clarity of spiritual readings and psychic ability often occurs in still waters. And that's a metaphor for clarity of mind and awareness of self. And I think a lot of times that clarity of mind and and awareness of self occur most when people have done their own work on themselves psychologically and have a certain level of like a grip on themselves. So I find that utilizing the psychological aspects of a rubric and a methodology within divinatory practices, that's what I often will resort to and teach with my palmistry and with tarot, are good at providing sort of a foundation. And then within that foundation, a sort of clarity descends. And within that clarity, then the spiritual and psychic messages sort of have a, a, a stillness in which they can occur. There are times when people have a natural skill or ability. Like there are certain people that are born with the ability to just sing. And I think that sometimes people have a gift to just be psychic and to just connect. And those folks are amazing. And I think that for many of us, we must develop that. And to develop that and to have it be clear for me, it lives in that clarity of having that awareness, having a regular spiritual practice of meditation and and those sort of things is how, for me, divination and a divinatory rubric allows for those amazingly clear psychic messages to show up. And that also, when I'm doing it for myself, allows me to have the skill to let my ego set aside so that when, as Katie said, their cards are saying, it's not the time for you to do that, I can actually hear that and know the difference, have the discernment to know that that's the card saying not yet, as opposed to my ego saying yes now. I don't know. what. How does that response sit with you, Jacob? I'm curious. Well, I just think it's really interesting because like kind of going back to introducing my earliest knowledge of tarot being of the devil, you know, like predicting the future. And then my experience now of... I have met a lot, you know, not, well, not a lot, but I've met several people who use tarot simply as meditation and thinking. And it was totally stripped away from elements and planet alignments and like anything to do with spirituality. I recently read, I don't know if you're familiar, there's a, it's a, from the Library of Esoterica. It's published by Tashin. It's this series of books. There's one on witchcraft and then there's one on tarot. And this book on tarot is like 500 pages long. There's a few essays about the history of tarot. But for the most part, it's actually a gallery of all these different tarot decks showing all these different approaches and artwork. So I would definitely check it out. One thing I thought was interesting was in the essays about the history of tarot, the root of tarot in like the 1800s and 1900s was very, very like occult. This is spiritual, you know, like that in, in, in the essays that I read, it didn't seem to have any sort of straight up psychological, you know, meditative aspects because tarot was being used heavily by these society, you know, these societies and these groups. And it mentioned the way tarot has been used over the hundreds of years has been reflected by societal norms. 
So I wonder if there is a certain desire to maintain any sort of like purity, you know, or whatever that could be over the hundreds of years of the use of tarot, as opposed to what conservatives would say, a godless society that doesn't need spirituality anymore. You know, is that reflected in the, in the use of tarot of people wanting to be more psychological as opposed to spiritual these days? I mean, there is lots of history around the tarot, including its original use in Italy as a card game, yeah, and which was purely that. And then its use in occultism, just like the playing cards used for divinatory purposes, and then records of, you know, Carl Jung using it as a tool, at least the major arcana, as a way to reflect on the archetypes, human archetypes. So I think that there's a mix of sort of how humans are, like a reflection of like people will use things in different ways. And I think it's an interesting thing to separate the menu from the food. I think there's some implication, the ideas that are out there in society that the tarot in its in and of itself is spiritual. And my take on it is we will use the tarot in spiritual ways, but in and of itself, it's just paper. And like, just like the Bible in and of itself, it's just a book, but the, the way people use it can be used in different ways. Mm. And certainly in the, the tail end of the satanic panic has brought tarot still into this um, it's of the devil in, you know, conservative Christian mentality, certainly how I was raised in deep in the satanic panic. Katie, did that occur for you in England? Were you, was, no, it, was we, it tarot no, evil? No, we had Harry Potter. So all things magical as I was, I was growing up was the thing. Um, my mum gave me my first tarot deck when I was 11. I got it in my Christmas stocking and um, like, crystal balls and all things witchy what a cool mom i know i'm so grateful i didn't grow up with the satanic panic i would have been terrified (laughs) (laughs) oh my god um no um i'm really 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 glad that i didn't have that because that'd be very frightening um but i did have people i was quite surprised because to me it's just such a i i see tarot cards as both spiritual and practical I, i i and and for me this like spiritual and practical are kind of the same thing my spiritual practice is what keeps me grounded and sane and helps me approach everything so for me, it's a very practical and grounding thing to have this spiritual practice. Um, but when sort of people react like, oh, tarot cards, oh, you're not a bit scared doing that. Like, Why? Why would I? Just in the same way that you look at a piece of art that's hung on your wall and you might read things into that and it might evoke a feeling for you or make you get some perspective on your own life. Like tarot decks, it's, it's like this little mini gallery that you get to look through and, and, and go, oh, this makes me think of that. And oh, maybe I should change how I'm approaching this. It's it's just images that help you emote something within you and, and, and I don't know, give you perspective on life. Yes, they're just a tool. I think there is something magical about them, but in but not in a scary way. It's not like something demonic is going to come through the cards. It reflects what's going on in you. If you're full of fear and panicking about devils mm-hmm. and things, then probably, yeah, they, something scary will pop out for you because that's your own projection. I think my generation in England has a lot to be grateful to for to, to Harry Potter. We were, we, were, we were really into all the spells and witchy things when I was growing up. I appreciate this discussion. And like, I think it is really interesting how tarot is so open for anyone, like however you want to use it, how you connect with it. It's like you said, it it's a tool for like, 
personal embitterment, whether someone takes up a yoga practice, you know, or someone takes up uh, jogging or like, or whatever sort of thing to improve themselves. Tarot can definitely be one of those things and how you use it doesn't really matter. It's that you are using it to your benefit. It is phenomenal, your work, both artistically, editorially. And I just am in deep gratitude, Jacob and Katie, for your work and that it's done with such expertise. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm sure it has opened up a lot of people's eyes. You know, not only people who were already into magic and maybe like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll start, you know, making again, but also people who didn't have any idea or were scared of it. You know, it's it's in a more accessible level for them as something that's themed as something they already know is safe. So they can go into it feeling good and talk to their friends about it without perhaps feeling like they're going to get ridiculed. And if anything, they could, you know, again, inspire someone. Well, before we head out, I want to make sure everyone knows how to follow everyone. So Katie, why don't you go first and let everybody know how they can follow you, Instagram, website, newsletter, all that fun stuff. I think the best place to find me is probably on Instagram. Um, I'm Katie Ponder Illustration. Um, and you can see what I've been up to and regular updates on my cat, Poppy. Um, I also have a website, but I'm really bad at updating it. So I think Instagram is probably the best place to find me. And Jacob, what about you? Well, I do have a personal Instagram that is more or less defunct. But if you want to learn more about Six and Spring books, the best place would actually... We are part of Soho Publishing, which is published by Vogue Knitting Magazine. You know, since we are part of the same company, all of our books are promoted via the Vogue Knitting channel. So if you follow Vogue Knitting Mag on Instagram or Facebook, or you go to VogueKnitting.com and sign up for the newsletter, you will hear all kinds of information about the new books and products that Sixth and Spring is uh, putting out. Thank you again, both of you, for being on the show. It is so appreciated. Maybe they'll even have feedback for us that they'd like to drop us at Knitispell Podcast at gmail.com or you can always pop on over to our website knitaspell.com and just drop us a note in our contact form also where you can find the show notes and links to purchase the yarn tarot for yourself and go directly to our guests their website and their instagram thank Thanks you for everybody me. for being here as our guest it was so fun to have you it was no, my it was pleasure for pleasure. sure yeah thank you so much and thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time on Knit a Spell. Thanks for, Thanks listening. for listening. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with a friend, leaving a review on iTunes and Spotify, or following Knit a Spell on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the Light from Lantern YouTube channel to enjoy full episodes of Knit a Spell and see our happy faces. You can also learn more about readings, classes, and events going on with your favorite maker of magic, James Devine, by visiting thedivinehand.com and subscribing to his newsletter. Then follow Jim's fun and interactive Instagram account at Divine Hand Jim. Keep up with Katie, the magical maker, by subscribing to her newsletter at lightfromlantern.com. You'll even receive a free knitting pattern as a thank you gift. Then follow Katie on Instagram at lightfromlantern for even more magical making tips. See you See next, next week. week.